hello there. You might want to pull up a chair. I just verified a bunch of information. Um, for example, I found information about the smell of gas that I've been talking about being in my home. So before I get started, and I found a clip from a chemist who explains that. Um, because after all, um, I've been suspicious of the smart meter uranium, and then also my house is getting what I would consider plumed with toxic things, okay? Because I have a very old pear tree in my yard at the other end of the yard, and my house has close to a third acre in the back. So at the very end of a third of an acre, a pear tree that's been there for a million years is no longer producing pears the last few years, okay? So, and I've had that smell on the outside because my house is being plumed, okay? And what's going on is this, they're using uranium, uranium, excuse me, and also, um, I was suspicious of nerve gases, right? Because of that smell of gas. Well, it all starts to make sense now because what they're using are petrochemicals, right? <laughs> That's what's coming out of all this dioxin and stuff. So they're using petrochemicals. So it makes complete sense that my house would smell like gas at times. And it's not a good sign, okay? When you get the gas smell, you're winding down the road here, okay? So let me, let me start off with a couple of things. This is going to be a pretty short show. Um, okay. The company that did the testing in um, Palestine, Palestine, Ohio has an interesting history and I want to give you these examples because I want to document it all and I also want you to be fully aware of the collusion because all they did was set up this little fake world. They brought in their experts, EPA, all these people. Well, it's all been a trick, but okay. So in 20, the company's name is Tetra, T-E-T-R-A Tech probably transgenders too, <laughs> all those T's, people are such fuckers. Okay, in 2016, Tetra Tech was accused of faking soil sample results in San Francisco, California, after the U.S. Navy identified 386 anomalous soil samples results out of more than 26,000 taken at Hunter's Point Shipyard over the past 20 years. So this company was hired to come in and test these samples that have been taken over a 20 year period, okay? And they were contracted by the EPA, okay? See how it all works? That's why the UN has all those NGOs. They're called NGOs, non-government organizations. So what happens is they have all these NGOs, let's say in the UN structure, right? Well, who who's responsible for what, right? That way, maximum finger pointing, right? Well, we didn't have anything to do with that. And then you have to ask the other question that becomes even more curious is how do the UN and all those NGOs have written in that they're not liable for any crimes they commit in these countries? So just do the math, kids. Okay, so anyway, so let me see. Where was I? So they had these things. Um, they suggested that between 90 and 97% of the soil sample results were neither reliable nor deliverable. Also in April, and that was 2016, Tetra Tech responded that both conclusions were inaccurate and offered to pay for independent testing, retesting. Test, test, I don't know, I can't pronounce this. Tetra Tech CEO Dan Baytrack, write down his name, Dan 
Baytrac, B-A-T-R-A-C, you know, B-A-T-R-A-C-K, guarantee you the guy's going to be a transgender, okay, so anyway, so he says, we believe that any concerns can be directly addressed by actually retesting and analyzing the areas in question. Well, good for Dan, right? Good for Dan stepping up the plate after getting millions of dollars <laughs> from the EPA. Okay, in May of 2018, I was just reading from 2018 earlier, two former supervisors involved in the cleanup of radioactive contaminants at the old Hunter's Point. They repeated that part. I didn't, okay. Anyway, so they admitted to falsifying soil samples, okay? So what happens to that? Well, in July of 2019, the San Francisco Office of Community Investments and Infrastructure Commission approved initial plans for the construction of more homes at Hunter's Point. <laughs> so, so this was a setup, okay? They were saying that they were going to test this stuff because they wanted to, they wanted to build some homes there. So, um, yeah, so, and then, um, so that was, that was where we run into TetraTech. And I'm sure with a few hours of work or a couple of minutes, we could probably find a dirty, filthy history with these people. Okay. But we're just focusing on this part. Okay. And then TetraTech, those poor people in Ohio, was part of a team of contractors hired by the EPA to clean up a toxic radioactive dump in Ohio. But evidence suggests EPA implemented a cover-up instead of a cleanup, creating a playbook for institutionalizing corrupted science across the nation. I'll repeat that again. Evidence suggests EPA implemented a cover-up instead of a cleanup, creating a playbook for institutionalizing corrupted science across the nation. When, let me see. Um, Tetra Tech was first busted in San Francisco, and the other radioactive site is the one in Ohio, okay? And, um, but the one in San Francisco, <clears throat> probably what happened was this, okay? And I'm just guessing here. You can go and research it yourself. But probably what happened was somebody in one of the expensive homes in San Francisco got wise to some radioactive material in their home. Okay, probably. Just guessing here, okay? Okay. Government contractor, this is by a guy named Greg Schwartz, an article I found. Government contractor Tetra Tech was paid more than $250 million by the Navy to clean up the former Hunter's Point Naval Shipyard on the edge of the San Francisco Bay, including removal of radioactive waste to clear the way for lucrative real estate development projects. See, here you go. But the cleanup came to a halt after the firm was discovered to have engaged in systematic fraud at the site. Okay. The Department of Justice has joined a whistleblower's lawsuit. Oh, God, this is rich, isn't it? <laughs> and then they bring in the Department of Justice to go after the people that their own people hired. <laughs> this, is, this is just almost a little bit too insane for me today. The Department of Justice has joined... Hey, Rocco! Excuse me. I, I swore I wouldn't scream in the microphone. Maybe I'm trying my best. Okay. The Department of Justice has joined a whistleblower's lawsuit against Tetra Tech after those employees were fired for reporting how their supervisors had falsified results of testing for radio, radio, all, radiological remediation. 
Tetra Tech has denied the allegations by blaming the fraud on rogue employees while continuing to rake in hundreds of millions of dollars in new government contracts across the nation. So I'm guessing with a little bit of scratching around that Tetra Tech is probably highly profitable. Tech means uh, Silicon Valley, right? Those people just love us now, don't they, kids? They just love the heck out of us. Every time they see us, they want to squeeze us and tell us hello and how much they love us. <laughs> okay, let me get to the serious part. I have obviously been trying to get better sources than myself for some of these things, right? So I was wandering around. A few people are doing really great work on these radioactive sites around Russia and all these other places and stuff, right? In one of them, they were talking about the smell of gas. Gas, as in the smell of gas. Because here's the thing. I am sure it's radiation in one other element, okay? I was suspicious about the other element. And then I had the smell of gas in my house, right? Well, where are these chemicals coming from? <laughs> well, they're petrochemicals. So of course I would have the smell of gas in my house. That means I'm getting the crap radiated out of me, okay? So, so anyways, so anyways, so I want to clarify exactly what you should be watching for, okay? Because that's my point in trying to help you so you can look, you can look and see around, okay? I learned that the rash, I talked about, let me just start from the beginning and not try to refer you back to the other show, okay? Because I'm a little bit confused now. So I, uh, I talked about having a rash on my head, but here's the thing. The rash started on my head a few years ago, okay? About two and a half, three, okay? And that was my first sign, along with Rocco having breathing issues. Now, I have also had breathing issues, but I put it off to something else, okay? But when I get into breathing issues, because I hopefully have a little bit better ability to know what it is, what I've been doing is I have to stay down. Because if I were to get up and be walking around too much, I would be panting like he was panting. So you see what I mean? So anyhow, so what happens first is the rash is actually a burn, okay? The rash is what is working up, because I have the rash on my head and I have the burn mark on my face, right? Well, the rash on my head has been agitated all this time, I and mean, it's very painful, and now that um, things are winding down, the, well, anyway, so, first thing you're gonna look for is a rash, okay? Because a rash is a pre, it's, it's an early form of radiation burn is what a rash is, okay? And so I start off with that rash on my head and then the burn on my face, okay? Um, but, you know, now that my hair is falling out, my, he my hair, my head is more likely burned, but I can't see it right now, just to be perfectly clear with you, okay? Um, but, you know, if I'm still around, when I lo I'm down to, probably I've lost about 90%, so I I'm, I'm moving down that stage, okay? <laughs> <laughs> Will I still be around to tell you if I've got burn marks on my head or what? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, so... Um, and then I also want to tell you what I think this all is while I have you here. So, so let, me, let me plow through this first, okay? So first thing you're looking for is a rash, okay? A rash is a pre-radiation burn, okay? And then you're going to be looking for the actual burn mark. And go over and look. I posted pictures of myself over at psychopathinyourlife.com. Just click on the tab that says blog, B-L-O-G. I've told you everything you need to know about the world of radiation, all the years they've been doing it, all the plots they've had. So go take a look, okay? Because 
that burn I have on my face. Now I knew that they were lying about mon monkeypox because they showed us two kinds of um, sores. They showed this, these black kids that had these like lumpy-like sores under their skin. And then they showed a white woman, interestingly enough, out of the Georgia area. And I think, I think the black girl was from Georgia. And that's, of course, where the CDC is. So let's not lose track of how these things work. <laughs> but I saw a white person. You can look up monkeypox and look at images, and you'll see the same hand. It's a woman with her hand, and it has a mark, which is exactly the mark on my face. So I knew a year or two ago when they were talking about this monkeypox thing, they couldn't have been telling the truth, right? Because I knew I didn't have monkeypox. I knew I had radiation, right? So, <laughs> so anyway, so, um, hmm. Oh, so anyway, so when you get the smell, okay, um, they're not, it's, it's not a good sign, okay? It's not a good sign. So, um, I think that what you want to consider doing is this, okay? Um, I think you want to consider if you can't move or if you can't get away from smart meters, which eh, probably can't, okay? Um, I think what you might consider doing is this, is keeping all of your windows open for starters, cut down that heat in the air circulation because I've seen other specialists talk about that. If you think it's in the air, get that heat off, okay? And um, yeah, so get fresh air in. And I will give you some advice right now. If you're, if wherever your smart meter is, okay, if you have an electrical one or a gas one, I would suggest your electrical one is the one you're going to be the most concerned about, right? I would strongly, strongly suggest you do not sleep. If that meter is right outside of your bedroom, your kid's room, your office, I would say, even if you're not being targeted, I would say, do not sleep or be in that room or maybe just keep all the windows open. But I'm not even sure about that because if you open the windows, if you are if you have windows on the side of the wall where your meter is and you open the windows, is that getting more emanated in? I don't know that answer. All I'm saying is be highly suspicious of the room that that's in. Okay, so I wonder I can't see. I forgot my glasses. Okay, wait a second here. Okay, so... Anyway, so, um, but they're also pluming my entire house, meaning that I remember I was talking about I smell the toxins in the front and the back at a couple of times um, because the one major attack that I had, the, the very worst one, right before that attack started, Rocco was right next to me sleeping, and right before it happened, he started panting, okay? And I looked over because, you know, the temperature's cold in here. We have it like at 42, 44, so... <laughs> I looked over because I was wondering why he was panting and it was within a couple of minutes that I was like down for the thing running for the try to get the door open and throwing up so it, it happens it seems to be you know just a few minute time frame is what it happens um, so those would be the things that you would look for so the order is rash which is pre burn actual physical burns which don't heal up and go away and then you start to lose your hair the going bald place so let me play this clip. Well, first, let me see here. I had something I wanted to say about what I think this all is, okay? Um, well, let me focus on just playing this clip for right now, okay? Um, and um, I'll get back to that later or whatever. 
Um, let me see here. But anyway, so when they say, yeah, we've tested, we've done this and that, well, you know, I don't know. Use your, use your head, right? Just because they say something doesn't mean it's right. So, and the latest thing is, of course, Trump, Trump went to visit in um, Ohio. So everybody's playing politics. And I read some of the most disgusting comments on a live show I was trying to watch. People were in the comments talking about stuff like, oh, look at that fat mayor. Why are those kids out there? Why are they It was like, I just had to tune out. It's like, come on, people. Let's try to join together, for, at, least, at least for five minutes of this game show game, okay? So, here's what I think happened. Let me, let me fit this in before I play the clip because it's on my mind. I can't find where I wrote it down. So let me just tell you off the top of my head. Since, now, remember, I am just telling a little story in my own head right now, okay, about how this might have happened. Well, let's say around the mid-1800s um, was a time frame that this big, big game board had been set up, okay? And we were all trying to improve our abilities for kindness and fairness. And, you know, we'd had issues with things like not supporting each other, hoarding money and those kinds of things. So let's say that we had all those issues going on between us as a group where we came from, right? So we all thought, well, we're going to come down here to this place that's going to be called Earth, okay? And what we're going to do while we're here is we're going to enact some of these things that we've all had issues with, you know, like supporting each other and all that stuff. So we're going to come down here and we're going to spend a life. And what happens is, and this does happen, is that we don't remember when we, when we actually wake up here as a little rah, 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 baby, we don't remember that we made these commitments. That, that's part of the fun, right? <laughs> because if we remembered these things, maybe we, we would have done better, right? So we come down here as little babies, and we don't remember the part about how we agreed to be kind and caring of each other and all that kind of stuff, right? And we all had said, oh, we're not going to take the bait for the money. We're going to stay loyal to each other, right? So anyway, so we come down here the first time the game is played, 1880s, right? We come down here where the game's being played. It's all being set up. It had to have been set up if you think about it because how they build all those gilded mansions in the Gilded Age <laughs> with those horses and buggies, okay? So, okay, so, so we, all, we all come down here to a little game show board. And the other people immediately take hold as a ruling class. So we all kind of struggle along, and let's say we get up to the 1900s and we pass away, then we come back in our next life, right? The next life, we swear we're going to do better. We swear we're going to do better. We saw how much harm we did before by not sticking together. We saw how evil these people were and they couldn't be trusted. And we swore that we were going to do better, right? So we come down here again. Here we are. Did we do better? Did we learn to trust and work together? Did we learn to love and honor each other? Or did we grab that brass ring, which was the money? Just something to think about. Oh, I forgot. I gotta plug in my decent speakers. Let me play this clip. I'm tired of people complaining about my $20 audio. <laughs> okay, let me see here. Okay, now, this is a clip, and I'll give you the name of it, because it's a very interesting scientific smart woman talking, okay? And it is called Toxic Mushroom Cloud. Scientist explains chemicals that exploded in East Palestine trail derailment. Because I'd found somebody else talking about this smell of gas. You know, I was talking about the smell of gas in my house, right? And I found somebody else talking about that in one of the other shows that was more like a documentary about radioactive stuff. 
And then I just found this clip, which is great because it's shorter, quicker, and I found it. <laughs> so, okay, so let's play this clip and hear what this woman has to say about this stuff. And uh, Shoot. Somebody's here. Okay, hold on a second. Give me one second, okay? I can't turn this off. Okay, well, Okay, I'm back. I think it's, um, let me see here. I think the first year and a half, I had an actual audio person, and, um, you know, he would actually listen to what I had to say and audit out, edit out things like if I coughed or something, um, you know, adjust the sound, take out my heater noise, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. And now it's just me and the kid from Bangladesh, so deal with it, okay? So, <laughs> let me get set up here. <laughs> so, no, I haven't learned how to stop the recording. Obviously, I just screamed into it a few days ago, so I haven't learned how to stop the recording and start up again. So, here we go. Okay, here's the clip. And it is called... Toxic Mushroom Cloud. Scientists explains chemicals that exploded in East Palestine train derailment. Okay. I think we're ready to go. Um, okay. Let me see here. Here we go. Uh, senior scientist with the uh, National Resource Defense Council. And uh, you are an expert on uh, tox toxins, uh, health and food and uh, the People's and Communities Program. Um, so obviously the attention is on the residents of East Palestine. Also, uh, I would say should be on, you know, 10 to 20 mile radius. Uh, I, I've spoken with residents who are experiencing yeah. symptoms, uh, not just in East Palestine, but uh, West and East. Mm -hmm. uh, but I wanted to kind of drill down on the toxins that uh, are in the air and, uh, you know, possibly the water, soil, um, so vinyl chloride obviously uh, sounds like the, the most dangerous uh, of the chemicals on that train. And uh, it's my understanding that when vinyl chloride explodes, uh, it turns into phosgene, which was used in World War II. Do I have that right? Yeah, it, that's right. When it's uh, it, un, under combustion, it, it produces phosgene. Other things too, like dioxins and furans and other really toxic stuff. I mean, you're really, I mean, it's it, these. They're all petrochemicals, which means they're fossil fuel derived. So there's there's no part of their cycle where they're safe. Whether it's, you know, extraction, production, manufacturing, disposal, these kinds of accidental spills and releases and incidents. Um, yeah, they, um, hazardous materials beget hazardous materials. 
Right. And can you kind of explain, not that you're uh, testing for the EPA or anything, but I'm hearing from a lot of residents, their home smells like gas. One said formaldehyde, uh, you know, some really toxic stuff. Yet the testing is, according to them, showing up no vinyl chloride or, you know, any any quantities outside whatever they consider the normal range. Then what is it folks are smelling and can that be dangerous even if it's not coming up? in what the EPA considers troubling ranges. Yeah, thanks. I would answer that a couple ways. First of all, um, if you can smell it, it's already at levels that are concerning. So uh, the, the, our, our detection levels for smelling it are already exceeding you know, OSHA lifetime ex- worker lifetime exposure levels. Um, so already that's a concern. Um, there are exposure levels below what we can smell it at that I would still be concerned about. So that's one thing to know. Um, The second way I'd answer that is, while there is uh, a sense of, you know, higher doses are worse for you, for sure there's a dose response relationship, um, even at low doses and even short term or, or short duration doses are still harmful. And that's because these chemicals are inherently hazardous. Like, vinyl chloride causes cancer. That's an inherent property of the chemical and it's not gonna change. So uh, less exposure to a carcinogen is, is less, you know, poses less of a risk than more exposure, but it, all of it is a risk. It, it, there's never a no risk phase when you're talking about exposure to hazardous chemicals, in particular, because one has to consider vulnerable populations like pregnant women, like children, like elders, like people with um, other diseases or medical concerns. And also when you consider the cumulative exposures along with other uh, chemical exposures and stresses that people are experiencing, those those uh, compound. Um, so we're not really talking in real life about a little bit of, you know, a, a little bit of exposure to a hazardous chemical all by itself to a healthy, you know, adult. Um, we're considering a diverse population with people with all different sort of health and exposure backgrounds um, and, uh, and these chemicals in conjunction with other chemicals that were also spilled on the train as well as in their environment. And can we talk about the weather aspect of this? Because yeah. if it rains or wind or mm-hmm. anything, can't particles be moving and can't that go into the groundwater? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is always something to consider. It's one of my first considerations when people say, you know, how far will it go? Where will it go? When will it reach the water table? I say, you know, that depends on the wind. It depends on weather. It depends on whether you're up or downstream. If you're talking about water, you know, higher or lower, it's what directions could go. Um, it could take days or weeks or months to reach groundwater tables or to reach surface water, but it, it will. These chemicals don't go away, right? They're, um, so these petrochemicals will get into those uh, soil and water tables. And so there should be monitoring far out. This, I mean, I just want to, because I know you're, you know, you have time to go into some deeper analysis that this is actually one of the things that polluters will do to hide the risks of their chemicals is they'll do things like they'll conduct an exposure or a health assessment saying, you know, we drew a circle around the area 
some like half a mile or one mile, but maybe all the wind direction was in, you know, prevalent winds were in one direction. So there's, they're diluting out the health harms by looking in it what seems like a, a fair or even circle around the area when in fact it could be many more miles of exposure in the direction of prevailing winds or in the direction that the water runs. And also, I mean, the company, Aaron Brockovich said this to me that it could take weeks yeah. for some of this stuff to show up. So yeah, she's right. The EPA testing now saying we're not detecting, you know, alarming levels in the air oh, cool. or uh, water. Does that necessarily mean all clear or could this show up later? No. And I mean, I hope even the EPA doesn't know that's an all clear, but um, I mean, it, it's well, that's, helpful how the, that's how the media is reporting it. That is. Yeah. I mean, it's helpful to know. I mean, there should be transparency and this public disclosure about the monitoring results. So the monitoring results should be frequent um, and they should be disclosed, uh, accurately disclosed uh, to the public. But it needs to be ongoing. There needs to be ongoing water monitoring. People with well water, um, especially if they're, they're on the downstream side or in water tables where it's likely to go, need to be continuously, you know, having ongoing monitoring, not continuous monitoring maybe, but spot monitoring. Um, and health effects need to be monitored. There needs to be some long-term um, health effects monitoring going out for the community, for workers that were exposed, for cleanup workers, for first responders, um, and for anybody else in the area that may have been exposed because some of the effects may alleviate, some may not. Uh, it's important information um, to have to really understand the impact of this disaster. And obviously, I mean, it's not your first rodeo uh, being with the NRDC. So obviously Norfolk Southern, uh, the big battle is going to be to try and narrow the victim radius to as narrow an area as they could get it. Uh, it, it, I'm sure if it were up to them, they'd say it's only a mile. I'm talking to uh, people as far as 15 miles, 20 miles that are experiencing symptoms. Um, I just want to play this one clip for you. Uh, this is from a resident in Poland, Ohio, uh, which is 15 miles away. Uh, okay, from there on, they were just talking about some local interviews with people who were confirming having rashes and things like that. Um, yeah, so that's what the deal is they're using petrochemicals on us and depleted uranium in our homes <laughs> great stuff isn't it um yeah so i would suggest that um get those windows open just get those windows open and if you need to protect your windows you can get um a, i know it sounds kind of ghetto but you know <laughs> i have <laughs> these things because of where i live <laughs> If you drive, if you watch on the news any kind of crimes in East L.A. or in the ghetto and stuff, you'll notice the same bars <laughs> and the same front doors that everybody else there has. <laughs> so one of those bar things across your window would be a, probably a good idea to think about because um, they cost about 35 40 bucks or something per window. And what that would do, because, you know, you leave your windows open and people can lift up screens and stuff. So if you want extra mental security to have your windows around your house all open, then don't go out there and like a <laughs> panic and make people think, why in the hell are they putting bars on their windows today? But identify a couple of the windows that you may want to keep open all the time, right? Because I have those bars, so I have 
have a few of the windows that I've kept open. So, yeah, uh, because it gives me the security of knowing that the screen can't easily be lifted and stuff during the night or something. So, yeah, so there are ways, there are solutions, okay? So if you have kids and you want fresh air, get your thinking caps on, okay? And, you know, the main thing is, is let's see how we do on this game board. I, I think they pretty much have me at this point. I will, of course, keep talking as long as I can. I would encourage you to download my work if you'd like to. Um, so you have something to listen to in the, in the coming days. <laughs> Downloading podcasts to, to listen to them offline is extraordinarily easy. So anyway, so I think that's all I had to say here. But let me check here real quick. I did actually make a couple of notes. Oh, yeah, I forgot to tell you something that's kind of interesting. Back during the Ramsey case, okay, obviously back then I didn't know how they code this stuff, right? Now... The name Jameson I was talking about, right, with the name they post under, one of my first clues that I forgot to mention in the last show, and I was laughing my head off after I finished this show, but, you know, I'm not going to go back and edit it in. <laughs> yeah, at the end of my five years of sharing my work, I'm going to become an editing genius, right? I'm going to edit every word I say and watch my speaker sound, and no, not going to happen. So anyway, so, um, yeah, that was a big clue to me, the Jameson, right? Because one day it occurred to me that... John Ramsey's, because I'd been looking, I'm always looking at something, right? I knew that John Ramsey's dad's name was James, okay? Because that day I like looked, for some weird reason I looked it up. That's why I work in silence, right? So I looked up, I don't know, I looked up John Ramsey for some reason, and I saw that his dad's name was James, James, okay? So then I thought, then it sunk into my rabbit brain, and I thought, oh, now this makes sense because they're posting under the name of James Son, J-A-M-E-S-O-N, which means James Son, because he is the son of a man named James. <laughs> so that was my first really big clue. I already kind of knew it was them, but that was a really big clue, and now that I found it pretty funny, knowing now that they code all these things so much, right? <laughs> so yeah, so he was posting as James Son. Anyhow, so I think that's all I had to say. Let me check here one more time. Because I'll be back with this um, business. Oh, wait a minute. I want to tell you about one other thing. Yeah, this is how they treat their, their own service people, okay? And this has to do with a case in... Please, Rock, not right now. This has to do with a case in... What's going on now? Because what I do is... Um, all you do is go to Google or somewhere and type in nuclear, right? And then select news and then scan for like, oh, if I checked last week, I'll scan for the last week. Well, I dug up a good one. Um, there was a deal. Um, what's going on is that they're getting caught doing things because things are happening too much. Come on, Rock, please. Let's not, let's not start right now. Come on, please. Mom's almost done. I'm doing this too close to dinner time, so I kind of asked for it. Okay. The Air Force's review of cancer among its nuclear mis, mis excuse me, start again. The Air Force's review of cancers among its nuclear mission corps will include all personnel who worked on, guarded, supported, or operated the nation's ground-based warheads. Nine officers who'd worked as missilers, the airmen who launched the warheads from underground silos and control centers at Montana's Mal Mastrom Air Force Base, were diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, a type of blood cancer, Lieutenant Colonel Daniel Sebeck, 
of U.S. Space Force reported last month in a briefing attained by the Associated Press. Since that briefing, more missiles and missile support crew have come forward to the AP and other outlets to report that they too have been diagnosed with either non-Hodgkin's lymphoma or other types of cancers. What they do is, the woman was just talking about this, how they, they want to make the victim area so friggin' narrow that it can't possibly involve anybody outside of that, right? Because they can't give up one penny, right? <laughs> okay, so, yeah, because um, they were making this announcement to say, the Air Force review will extend beyond Maelstrom to include this other Air Force Base in Wyoming and another base in North Dakota. Together, the three bases operate 450 silos that house the nation's arsenal of ground-based nuclear warheads carried by Minuteman III intercontinental ballistic missiles. They just treat us so well, don't they? Okay. Oh, and I'll close this with something kind of funny. <laughs> this is this is probably. <laughs> Um, I think I told you this part about dioxins, but because I can't remember, let me tell it real quick before I tell you the funny story. Okay, um, well, we are mainly exposed to dioxins through our food, which is 90% of human exposure. Well, I guess unless you live in some place like Ohio, right? by eating meat, dairy, fish, and shellfish. Not only do dioxins affect our hormones, but they also cause reproductive, which can be linked to sex hormones and developmental problems, immune system issues, and even cancer. And this is not funny, but I want to read it to you to show you what pieces of shit these people are. Um, there was a Alaska Republican this week, okay? This week, Alaska Republican, okay? It doesn't matter that he's Republican. They're all the same, right? And um, let me see here, tell you what he had to say. This is when they say the quiet part out loud. And then also, a, a senior parliamentarian in the UK today just said something about, well, if they're hungry, tell them to get another job. So they love us. They just love us to pieces. Okay, the title is Newsweek. The article is 2.22, yesterday, okay? Alaska Republican touts benefit of children being abused to death, okay? This is who these people are. A legislature in Alaska caused outrage after questioning whether the death of child abuse victims could be a cost savings because it would mean they don't need government services later in life. Republican David Eastman, who sits in the Alaska House of Representatives, made the comment on Monday during a House Judiciary Committee hearing. So that would have been Monday, the week of the 23rd, okay? The committee was meeting to discuss how children are impacted by physical or sexual abuse as well as witnessing domestic violence within their family home. Lawmakers were shown a study indicating each in incident of fatal child abuse cost society $1.5 million a figure reached by addressing the impact of trauma and the child's loss of earnings over a lifetime. I about that money, isn't it? 
However, Eastman was unimpressed and questioned whether fatal child abuse could be economically beneficial to wider society. Fatal child abuse could be economic. <laughs> excuse me. He questioned whether fatal child abuse could be economically beneficial to wider society, an argument he claimed to have heard. Eastman said it can be argued periodically that it's actually a cost savings because a child is not going to need any of those government services that they might otherwise be entitled to receive and need based on growing up in this type of environment. The remark horrified Trevor Storrs, president of the Alaska Ch Children's Trust, who hit back describing the loss of a child as immeasurable. Democratic Representative Cliff Grow, who used to work as a prosecutor covering child abuse allegations, said he was disturbed by Eastman's comment. Yeah, he was disturbed, right? Anybody get up and knock this fucker's lights out? No, of course not. According to the Anchorage News Daily, she said, I wish he had asked questions with a little bit more sensitivity to the listeners and how they're perceived, and I could have that conversation. <laughs> this is who they are. This is who these people are. Stop hiding. Stop acting like these people are okay. There is something really screwy about these people. The men all have vaginas. They don't even have penises. They put up these phallic symbols all over the place. They make up these crazy stories about like the, uh, who are those people? The, the chins, you know, those people I've been after for years. You know, those people, that, this, this is all fantasy. I think anything before the 1800s is complete and utter fantasy. We're on a game board here. And hey, if I'm wrong, I will certainly come back and clear it up, okay? But right now, it's the only thing that can explain some of this stuff, right? It's the only thing. Why else? I don't know. I'm starting to ramble. So I'm going to go ahead and take off here. I wish you all well. <laughs> Just remember, it's a big game board. <laughs> this is my opinion, okay? You don't have to agree with me. You don't have to do anything. All I'm saying is it does kind of make a great deal of sense now, doesn't it? We're all, this, we're all these pawns in this big game, right? These people got hold. So... Anyway, so, yeah, that's all I have to say for right now. Let me see here. Oh, I've been on 42 minutes. Okay, I got to go. So, anyway, so thanks for tuning in and hearing me. Don't know how much longer I'll be here. Things are getting pretty rough around here. But you know what? Um, this isn't, you know, it's going to test your, your fear about death and money. <laughs> that I know for sure. <laughs> so, just be aware of that, okay? Don't start making more of your decisions based on bad ones over money, right, in the future. Don't start denying people things because you've got all these hang-ups that they've drilled into your head over money. So let peace prevail, right? We're in for a pretty tough battle, and a lot of people don't even know what the game score is, right? So there's going to be a lot of befuddled people out there. So let's try to walk in peace and kindness and chat with you later. Goodbye for now. Be safe out there.